All right, if your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Psalm chapter number 40. Psalm chapter number 40. And we're going to continue. We'll just keep going through the book of Psalms tonight. And uh, this psalm is a, is a blessing. It really is. I, I, I opened it up and it was fairly easy as well. But uh, most of, we can view most of the psalms from the eyes or perspective of the writer. When you're reading the psalm, in other words, we, we kind of put ourselves oftentimes in David's shoes as, or whoever the author was and looking at his circumstances and what he is feeling as he, uh, as he writes that psalm. And you kind of understand from where he's coming from, his perspective. Uh, but many of the psalms as well can be viewed prophetically, looking forward. In other words, from our perspective, looking back and saying, wow, I see where this plugs into here. And the scripture defines itself. And that is because God is ultimately the author of this book. And, uh, and God used human people. Isn't that wonderful that God would use people uh, to write his word? And, and it would be such a marvelous book. And honestly, whether you're looking from the author's perspective at what is going on, or we're looking at from our perspective, looking back and saying, wow, this is uh, amazing how it plugs into here. Uh, the bottom line is this, that we have an amazing Bible. And there's just no doubt about it. It is a blessing to know that we have a Word of God uh, that, that is just so uh, full and so rich. And sometimes when I go through these Psalms, uh, I debate on which side we're going to look at. Because really, uh, there's, there's those, those aspects with which you can look at stuff. And, and if I diversify myself too much, then, uh, man, we'll, we'll lose it, all right? And, and, and we'll, we'll lose the focal point that, that I'm trying to uh, run down. And so... Uh, uh, so I, I say that, all that to say this, that uh, I might preach one message and you might, I could very well get up and preach a second message out of the same psalm. Uh, and so I, I just try and give you the best I can of what I believe God would have for us. And tonight I, I believe it'll be a help and a blessing as we look at the psalm. I've entitled the message, Blessings for the Believer. Blessings for the Believer. Look with me in Psalm 40 in verse number 1. The Bible says... I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. I love this verse. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, and even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, um, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, many, O Lord, my God are thy wonderful works which thou hast done and thy thoughts which are to us word. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. 
Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for your word that we can study, God, that we can learn from. And God, I pray that you would use me this evening. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts. I pray that you'd bless each and every person that's here and those who have uh, maybe tuned in online and are not able to be here but desire to be here. And God, I pray that you would touch hearts and uh, we'll certainly thank you for that. God, will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we look at the first couple of verses, I, I opened my Bible and I thought, man, I, I just want to preach out of the first two verses. And uh, uh, I really could, but we're not going to do that tonight. I want to give you more, kind of the whole scope of the chapter. But really, there's such a great message out of those first couple of verses. And, uh, and I want you to notice the first five verses, it's our praise that we render to God. Boy, you read that and you can't help but think, boy, I have so much for which to praise the Lord for. And, uh, and it's really good. You look there in, in verses 1 and 2, and, and I want you to notice the salvation that's given there. Uh, he says there in verse number 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And then verse 2, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Boy, that first verse is good that second verse is even better. That first verse starts out with, I waited patiently for the Lord. Boy, I don't like to wait. I tell you what, we, we've talked about that. And, uh, and I said this, uh, I've said it before, I believe, uh, that the Lord taught me a great deal of patience in Peru. Uh, there's no doubt about it. You talk about, you talk about uh, patience. Boy, uh, I'm talking about there were lines everywhere we went. And I, I just, you know, I'm an American, you know, convenient. You know, if the fast food line is too long, then you go to the next fast food place that has a bit of a shorter line so that you don't have to wait. That's, that's how we are. We're, we're just, you know, hey, let's get this done. Let's go here. Let's go there. And, and, uh, and, and you know, we're looking at the long lines in the register. We're like, oh, let's go this way or let's go. Let's pick that shortest line. And, uh, and I ended up in Peru. And, man, there was only one line everywhere you went. And it was always long. And uh, I, I'm not kidding you, sometimes we had to go to the post office and you don't know what a blessing it is to go out to your mailbox every day and have the postman deliver mail to your house. Man, what a blessing. Um, I, I, I enjoyed receiving mail in Peru, but I also dreaded it at the same time. And there were times, man, I would go down to that post office and we would, the, the, the line would be out the post office and down the block and I kid you not. You'd wait an hour in line to get a package. And sometimes you found out you had to pay. Oh, but it wasn't so simple just to pay. Uh, you didn't just pay right there. They give you a ticket. You go to the bank where you stand in line for another hour and you pay your ticket. And then you go back to the post office and you don't get to cut. You have to stand back in line for another hour to pick up the package that you paid for. I'm just telling you, sometimes it was crazy. But you know what? We don't like to wait but the psalmist here says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my prayer. Listen, sometimes it's hard to wait on the Lord. It's especially hard to wait on the Lord when you're in a difficult place. Uh, I just don't like to wait on the, I don't like to wait on things when, when just out of convenience. I like to be able to, uh, you know, go and, and 
Man, I love to go to my mailbox. You call me crazy. I love to go out in my mailbox, open that thing up. Man, praise the Lord. I don't have to go to the post office. I still go home and I get tickled when, when my trash is taken out. I go home, I dump my little trash cans at the curb, you know, and, and the trash men have picked it up. I'm like, praise the Lord. I don't have to run my trash to the dump. That's what you had to do in, uh, in Peru and many foreign countries. And, and I'm just saying we're impatient. But the psalmist is saying, hey, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he heard my cry. You know, it's one thing we don't like to wait in general, but it's another thing when you're waiting on the Lord under dire circumstances. I thought of a few of those. I thought of Peter as he was walking on the water. And, and, and he said, Lord, help. Say, he said, Lord, save me. And, and, and you know, when you're in a a life-threatening situation or something that is an emergency, time slows down. And, and I could just imagine Peter as he's walking on that water and, and all of a sudden he realizes, man, I'm sinking. And maybe he looked down at his feet and, and you know, it's, it's slow motion in your mind and he's just going down. And he's like, Lord, save me. And, and he continues to sink. Maybe he got waist deep before the Lord. Uh, you know, all that played really slow in his mind. And yeah, you think, well, he didn't have to wait very long, but the Lord wasn't very far from him either. And it was difficult. What about some other people? Uh, there, there were plenty of people, uh, you know, in the Bible. Uh, I think of this when adversity is sinking or circling around you. We look at David many times in the Psalms because many times his adversaries, his foes, were circling around and they were at the point to uh, kill him and destroy him. And he's thinking, Lord, uh, I really could use some help here. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and uh, my adversary is after me and it is difficult to wait patiently on the Lord. But David, the psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. Boy, I'm glad that God hears our cry. I'm glad that he hears our cry when the adversary is sinking or circling. I, I'm glad that he hears our cry when we're in dire circumstances and we don't know what we're going to do next. I'm glad that he hears our cry even when there's really no emergency, but we're just tired of waiting. Lord, I'm ready. If you could do something and, and, and you're just kind of expecting and, and God does hear our cry. And the psalmist here points that out. He says, uh, he says, he heard my cry. Look at verse number two, because I love it. Uh, you allow him to work in verse number two. Notice what, what it says. He doesn't say, I was able to bring myself out of that horrible pit. I was able to scale the walls and create a rope and get out of there. No, no, no. He doesn't say any of that. He says this, he being the Lord God, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And, and then the idea is established that God set my feet upon a, upon a rock. And then the idea is, again, that God established my goings. And so he didn't just bring him out of that horrible pit. And I'm getting that stuff all messed up. It'll be all right. They'll fix it. He didn't just, just uh, get the, the idea that, that God had brought him up out of the horrible pit and set him on the side and said, you're all done. No, no. God didn't just abandon him once he got him out of that pit, but he set his feet on a solid rock. He gave him solid footing, not like all this stuff up here. 
uh, he, he said, hey, he's got solid footing. And not only that, but he established his goings. Listen, God wants to not only save you from the desolate situation you're in, but he wants to place you on solid ground. And then he wants to establish your life so that you're going in the right direction. Boy, look at what God has done for us. Man, I thank God for my salvation. I'm glad that he brought me out of that horrible pit. I'm glad that he didn't just bring me out of that pit and say, there you go, and let me fall back into it. But rather, he placed my feet on a solid rock, and then he established my goings. He gave me the Holy Spirit. He gave me the Word of God to guide my life, to direct me. He put a church within my path so that I could hear preaching and I could learn from the Word of God. He established established our goings. Boy, he's praising the Lord because look at all that God has done for him. And he's thanking God for the salvation that he gave him. Notice this in verse number three. The Bible says this, he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Not only do we see the salvation in verses 1 and 2 and that God establishes our lives, but I want you to notice too, in verse number 3, we see the song that God puts in our heart. Boy, listen, God has music and we need good music. There's worldly music and it will not uplift you. I looked it up again today. I, I was just curious. I've looked it up before, and uh, I have to relook things up because I forget them. But, but I, I looked up uh, the idea of, of music and its effect on plants. And, uh, and I pulled it up, and, and sure enough, um, there, there's been studies done that music will actually help plants to grow. Now, you'll find others that will debunk that and say, oh, that's not true. But, uh, but I'm telling you, uh, that's a true thing. And, and it's been proven that rock music will actually not be good for plants. And that other music, classical music, has actually caused those plants to do better. And you say, well, you can, uh, you can take it or leave it. That's fine. You can take that or leave it. But I can tell you this from the Bible, that the Bible says uh, Samuel had an evil spirit that came upon him. You go back and read it. First Samuel chapter number 16. And what was it that drove it away? Well, the Bible says that he called David in to play on his harp. Now let me ask you this, David, the psalmist, the guy who wrote the majority of these psalms, what kind of music do you think he played? He didn't play rock music. He played godly music. He played stuff that would glorify God. He played stuff that would be good for God. And as a matter of fact, you go back and read it. The Bible's very clear in 1 Samuel chapter number 16 that that music drove away the evil spirit from Saul, a man who was not right with God. The effect of music is powerful. And I'm just telling you that we need to be very careful about the music that we listen to because there's all kinds of bad music uh, that, that will mess you up. I, I remember my first job, I was telling somebody the other day, my very first job I ever had was working in a horse barn. And uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, to this day, man, I, I think, man, uh, that was an enjoyable job. I really did. You think cleaning horse stalls? I, well, you know, you, you do you and I'll do me. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed working with those animals. And um, I remember when I went there, 
Um, I, my brother had worked there before me, and, and I think he wanted out, and so his replacement was, I'll get my little brother. Uh, he's got a bike, he can ride there, and, uh, and he can work, and I'm out, man, and I'm going to go find me a better job. And, and so uh, when I went there, the lady said, um, she said, now this horse barn, she's like, we've got this radio. She's like, don't touch the radio. Leave it. She's like, that music calms these horses. And I thought, this is a lost person, I, I was thinking, I mean, I don't know. And, and, um, and I'm not advocating that the music she played was, was great, but I tell you what, uh, the idea was, because she had uh, had other people that had worked in there who had changed the music that agitated the horses. And I'm just telling you that music is very powerful, and many people just want to deny that or dismiss it, but based on Bible, based on scientific evidence, music has an effect on your life, like it or lump it. That's the bottom line. And you better have good godly music uh, that is right. The psalmist here, he said, he hath put a new song in my mouth. What kind of song was it? Well, look at it, because he tells us a new song, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Now, I have to say this because the world has taken, uh, the, the world has gotten so clever with their ideas. Well, really, Satan is, is he's clever anyways. He's always been clever. And, and he wants to take good godly stuff and merge it with worldly music and call it, see, it'll praise God. Now, I'm sorry, that does not go together. You cannot mix worldliness with Christianity and come up with a, a middle of the road thing that's going to be okay. No, that's not going to be okay. God has ordained good godly music. Uh, it was the music that, that David played on that harp that drove away those evil spirits. And here we see it's a new song with words that would honor and glorify God. And I'm just saying that music is very important. We see salvation in the first two verses. We see a song that God put in his heart in verse number three. Notice this in verses four and five. Notice the supply. Boy, I love this. Look in verse number four. We see that it's available to all men. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. Boy, you can kind of see that in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we call that whosoever will. Boy, God wants to save everyone. And, and, and the Bible says it right here. Hey, listen, blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. In other words, blessed is the man that chooses to trust in the Lord. He puts his faith and trust in the Lord. In other words, God's supply of salvation is to all men. We thank God for that. And listen, that's a, that's a great verse, and it's open to all. Uh, not only that, but notice this. And respecteth not the proud, nor, uh, turn, nor such as turn aside to lies. We just see that all in verse number four there, that it's available to all men that will turn to God. Uh, notice this, that it's abounding in verse number five. We see, many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. We're talking about the supply of his salvation. It's available to all men. And then it's abounding. He says, many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done and thy thoughts which are to us were. Let me just stop there and say two things. One, you cannot even begin to comprehend how good 
God is to you. We can't even begin to count. Uh, I was thinking today, and I didn't get to check it out or find it, but, but, but just in the fact that God provides enough uh, oxygen molecules for you to breathe every single day. And you don't even ever give a thought of that. Maybe God protected you from, from an accident. Maybe God, uh, you remember Peter was with, with Christ uh, towards the end there and, and, and Jesus Christ himself said to Peter, Satan hath desired to sift thee as wheat. In other words, hey, Satan wants to destroy you, to grind you down, uh, to cause your life to be in disarray. But Jesus Christ says, I have prayed for you. What I'm saying is you don't even know the attacks and the forces that are at play against us as Christians. We don't know all of God's protection, to be 100% honest with you. But the Bible says, many are thy works. That second phrase is that his thoughts are towards us. That'll blow your mind. You think about the fact that the God of the universe, that song that's, that's sung, so you, I'm sure you've heard it, I, I'm sure you know it, and he knows my name. Isn't that a comforting thought? But more than it, the fact that he knows your name, you occupy his thoughts. The Bible says that his thoughts are to us word. In other words, he's thinking about us. He cares for us. He's watching out for us. He's protecting us. He's looking out for us. And I'm saying the supply of his salvation is just so immeasurable that we don't even know the full effects of what God is doing for us. But we know this, that he takes care of us. He goes on, he says, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. That's the truth of the matter, that God is so good to us that we couldn't even begin to number or, or list how good God has been to us. We see, we see our, our uh, salvation there, uh, our praise, and he's praising him for the salvation. He's praising him with a song, and he's praising him uh, for the supply of, of, of availability to all, and then for the, uh, the abounding goodness that God has towards us. Notice this, not only our praise, but I want you to notice our preaching in verse number six. The Bible says this, sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do thy will. O oh my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. We read those, and perhaps you're scratching your head. I, when I first read them, I was like, man, I, I'm not for sure about those verses. That's going to be very curious. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter number 10. Save your spot there in Psalms. We'll be back there. Hebrews chapter 10 will help us understand this portion significantly. Hebrews chapter number 10. And verse number 1. Hebrews 10.1. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 1, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, 
and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Let me just stop and say this. The book of Hebrews really is written to uh, Jewish people to help them understand uh, the idea of the Jewish law and the Jewish Old Testament ceremonies that they did and how those things apply to Christ. And he's talking about the sacrifices. And so he's telling the, uh, them there in verse number one, he's saying, listen, uh, you notice the last part. What will we read it? Uh, the, the sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Uh, he's saying that they, they can never. I missed that first phrase. They can never. So they cannot uh, make those people who offered those sacrifices perfect. The, the whole idea was never uh, that they would be uh, they, they would be perfected through those sacrifices, but rather that they would obey God in faith uh, and they would trust God and do what he told them to do. Let's continue reading verse number two. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of their sin. Verse number two, he's simply saying, listen, if those animals would have purged their sin, then they would have offered an animal one time and been done. But the fact of the matter is they did not. So let's continue. Verse number three. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. It was to help them understand we're not perfect. We continue to offer sacrifices because of our imperfections. Verse number four. For if it is not possible that the blood of bulls, excuse me, let me start that over. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said sacrifice and burnt and, and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. And he's drawing them, he's teaching them, hey, these sacrifices were all a shadow of Christ, the things to come. And that's what he's bringing them down to. You'll notice that he kind of quotes Psalms, that portion that we just read, uh, Psalms chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. Uh, he's quoting that. Notice there in the middle of, of the, the, that quote there, he said in verse number uh, seven. Then said I, back in Psalm 40, he said, uh, then, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. And we see a very, a very uh, prophetic portion that is pointing forward to Jesus Christ. And our Savior is prophesied in verses 6 through 8. And you see that in Hebrews 10, 1 through 9, really verses um, 
seven, eight, nine, if I'm not mistaken, right around there, uh, you see that prophetic portion pointing back uh, to Psalms chapter 40. And what I'm saying is, uh, listen, the Savior was prophesied. And that these sacrifices, hey, that's not where salvation was found. The salvation was found in Jesus Christ. And we find that. I love this verse number seven. He says, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I've often heard it said, you can open this book anywhere you want and you can find Christ in this book. You find Christ in the Old Testament sacrifices. You find Christ in the, the nation of Israel. You find Christ all the way through from the book of Genesis, from the fall of man, from the time of sin, that there was a Redeemer that was prophesied that would come. And in the volume of this book, Jesus Christ came. And He came as an example to us for salvation. We're talking about in verses in Psalm six, verses four, uh, six through ten, we see the the preaching, and we see Jesus Christ as he was prophesied in the future. Notice this in verse number eight, we find that the book was written about him. But then in verse number eight, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Boy, that's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And how he delighted to come to the world and, and do the will of God in his life. Our Savior is prophesied here. But look with me in verses 9 and 10 because he says this, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. Certainly Jesus Christ preached righteousness to the great congregation, to the Israelites, as he was here and ministered on that earth. But I want you to notice this, that Jesus Christ was prophesied to come. And listen, Jesus Christ is our great example that we are to follow. And so we find this, not only was he prophesied about, but we find our service. You say, where do you get that? Listen, I, I looked up this phrase today in the Bible, follow me. And you know what Jesus said to Matthew, to Levi, that was his Jewish name as he was sitting at the receipt of customs, follow me. You know what Jesus said to, to uh, the fishermen, Peter and Andrew, as they were standing there mending their nets? He said, follow me. You know what Jesus said a little bit later uh, to all of his disciples? He, he said, if any man uh, would, would take up his cross and follow me. He said, follow me. You know what he said in the book of John? He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And you know what we find in the Bible? That we are to be followers of Jesus Christ. Hey, he was prophesied that he would come in the volume of the book. He was prophesied that he would be that sacrifice. But then he also preached uh, the righteousness of God in the great congregation. He also proclaimed the goodness of God to all people. Hey, listen, as you and I as believers, we are to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. But we're also to proclaim that same thing to the lost people that are all around us. And we find our preaching, he says there in Psalm chapter 40 in verse number, uh, verse number 9, I have preached righteousness 
in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. Verse number 10, for I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Oh, listen, we need to not conceal God in our heart. Remember that, the, those, uh, those verses there in Matthew that no man lighteth a candle to put it under a bushel or to hide it under his bed, but rather to put it on a candlestick and display it for all to see. Listen, I, I worry today that we live in a generation of people who want to be concealed, covert Christians and don't want to let other people know. Oh, listen, he said right here in Psalms 40 and verse number 10, I will not conceal thy righteousness. I'm not going to hide it, but I want the world to know about it. Hey, listen, we got to let the world know. We see the preaching in these verses, verse 6 through 10. Notice this in verse number 11. We see our prayer. We see our praise, we see our preaching, and we see our prayer here in verse number 11 down through 17. Look what he says as he starts his prayer. Withhold not thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. Boy, we need God's continual grace and mercy in our life. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that there's an endless flow of mercy from God. His mercies, the Bible says, are new every morning. And I tell you what, we need them. You, oh, maybe you don't, but I need them. And I appeal to God's mercies. And I'm glad that God has mercies continually. The psalmist says, withhold not thy tender mercies. And, and he says this in verse number uh, 11 there, loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. It's God's loving kindness that preserves us. I'm glad. I'm glad that I'm not my own shepherd. Matter of fact, I think I'd get sick of myself if I was my own shepherd. Why do you keep doing that? What is wrong with you? If you're parents, you know this. What bothers you is your flaws that you see in your children. That's what bothers you. Because you're shepherding your, yourself. You're like, man, that's exactly what I used to do. Stop that. Frustrates you. Aren't you glad that God is your shepherd and he's loving kindness? And he says, you know what? I'm going to keep corralling you. I'm going to keep bringing you in. And he's so patient and he's so loving kind with us. And I'm grateful for God's loving kindness that it says there. But it's not just loving kindness. The Bible says, loving kindness and thy truth. This is the truth of God. Continually preserves us. Does it not say in Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the, we must live our life in accordance to the word of God so that we maintain a right path. I've watched people stray from the Word of God. And invariably in their life, they end up messing up 
and messing up. And sometimes they come back to the word of God. And I'm grateful for that. And sometimes they just continue wandering off that trail away from God. And it's sad what happens. It's sad where they end up. It's sad what takes place in their life. And I'm just saying that we need to live our life in accordance with the word of God. He says, thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. Look at the sustaining there in verse number 12 and 13. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. We see his sustaining power. I've already mentioned we don't know how many attacks take place around us, but God's protecting hand that he sustains us. It's good for us to recognize that. Not only that, but he subdues our enemies. In verses 14 and 15, you can see that. He says, let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put them to shame that wish evil, uh, wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, aha, aha. How do you like that for a verse? That's a great verse. But God is subduing and can subdue our enemies. Listen, we cannot subdue our own enemies. It's not possible. You'll end up messing it up. You'll end up getting in the flesh. You'll end up, uh, if, if you try and, and fight these battles on your own, listen, I'm telling you, you, you will not make it. We've got to trust in God that he will subdue our enemies. He's praying, the psalmist is saying, hey, stay with me, continue with me, sustain me, subdue mine enemies. Look at verse number 16 and 17. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, Yet the Lord thinketh upon me, thou art my help and my deliverer, make no tarrying, O my God. And he's saying, God save me, because I'm poor and I'm needy, and I'm in need of you. And when we recognize that, when we think, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm tough, I can do this. When we think, well, I'm strong enough, I can do this. Hey, listen, you better be careful, because that's when you'll fall. When you recognize, God, I can I cannot do this without you. I cannot get through this in and of mine own strength. But I need you. Hey, we find the salvation of God. And he's right there to help us. Thank God. What a blessing to be a believer. And know how good he is to us. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for this psalm. God, we see our praise for your salvation, the song that you put in our heart, and God, for the service that we get to, to that you allow us to do. What a blessing that we could praise you. God, we see the prophecy of you, and God, what was, was given really and our ability to preach and tell others about how great a God you are. And then, God, we see our prayer. God, help us to be always humble before you. 
and recognizing our need of you on a daily basis. God, thank you for this psalm. What a blessing it is to be saved. What a blessing to be a Christian. What a blessing to know, God, that you think about us, that you watch over us, that you protect us, and that, God, that you're there to help us and to strengthen us. Help us to walk in your word. And we'll thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart,